Good morning and happy Sabbath. Again, you don't mind, I hope, if I take my coat off. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> I know we did pray, and it was a wonderful prayer. Let's bow our heads again. Too much prayer and too much food, at least for me, cannot hurt. So let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we come in your presence as a privilege and in humility, in total dependence. We ask that you would open the word and that you would touch every single heart, that we may know you, understand more your plan, your desire, be transformed, experience revival. Please pour your spirit as you promised. We pray in Jesus' name and thank you, Lord. Amen. This subject is probably one that we need the most. And uh, moreover, in the times we live. And uh, uh, as we start, I have a question for you. We know that Jesus is coming soon. We are Adventists. Even our name says that we are waiting for the second coming. Do you still believe in the second coming? Amen. Amen. I hope you do. If not, I don't know what you are doing here. We believe that Jesus is coming soon. We believe that he's coming extremely soon. In fact, sooner than we think. And we look around and we see the signs, but many times we don't realize that these are the signs because they don't happen Instantly, they happen gradually. It's not that we have no signs, and instantly we have a million signs. No earthquakes, a lot of earthquakes. No tornadoes, a lot of tornadoes. No fires at all, and then, no, 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 no. They grow gradually, as the Bible says in Matthew 25, like the pains of the, the labor of pregnancy. They go gradually. No earthquakes, a few earthquakes more and more. In time, in 20, 30, 50, 100 years, in time they grow. And as they grow in time, we get used to it. Because they don't grow instantly to scare us. We get used to fires. We get used to tornadoes. It was like 50 years ago, you would have one fire every, I don't know, 10 years. And then you had one fire every year. And then you have five fires a year. And then you had... 100 fires a year, and now they are terrible. Think about last year in Australia, or two years ago, I don't remember. Think about what is happening right now. Uh, no pandemics, a lot of... No, they grow gradually. And because they grow in time, we get used, and it becomes a new normal. We think it's normal. This is not normal. These are the pregnancy labors that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24. And they are meant... To wake us up like the virgins. Jesus is coming. Wake up. It's time to prepare. And we really want to be ready. It would be very sad to be an Adventist, to be a Christian, to go to church. But then when Jesus comes to hear the words, I don't know you. This would be extremely sad. No point to even go to church. And so how do you make sure that when Jesus comes, you are in, not out. How do you make sure that you are ready? You look inside your life, my life, everybody for self, and 
How many sermons have we heard? If you count them in one year, two years, ten years, twenty years of being an Adventist, how many sermons, how many Sabbaths, how many camp meetings, how many prayers, how many uh, chapters read? Yet there is not a lot of growth. Have you been grown from the last Sabbath to this Sabbath? Do you go to the door and make a sign on the door? And like, like kids, you know, they make a sign and one year later, hey, you were here and now you are here, you have been growing. You follow me? Do you measure your spiritual growth to see, okay, I've been growing? How much does the church grow, if we are to be honest? We go to church, we have programs, but we see some growth, praise the Lord, but we don't see a lot of growth. Look in the book of Acts. They baptized, the Bible says, God added, what does it say, the word? Daily. Do you understand the simple word daily? You know what that means? 5,000 baptized Monday, 3,000 Tuesday, 6,000 Wednesday, 2,850 Thursday, 5,275, you follow me? Daily means every day. Do you have a baptism every day? Is that impossible? Then why it doesn't happen? God has not changed. The spiritual prophecy says that God's promises are still available for us. He says that it is not God's fault. It's not God's power short. It is our fault. Jesus says, Truly I tell you that he who believes in me will do greater things than I did. Where are those great things? I want to see them. The spirit of prophecy says that the work is not going to close with less manifestation of power than it started. And in a different paragraph, she says, it's going to close with greater power. Well, think about how the work started. Miracles were performed. I mean, Peter would walk on the street and his uh, shadow would go over sick people and sick people were healed. People went to Tabitha. Tabitha was dead, stinking dead for a few days, smelling dead. And Peter doesn't give a funeral sermon. Peter says, wake up. And the dead wakes up. Where are those miracles? Not that we should look for miracles. Where is that power? Why don't we experience power? Why don't we experience revival and growth in our personal life and in our churches? Why don't we experience a lot of baptisms? Something needs to happen. And so that's what we talk about today. I'm going to give you a few examples before we start. Hopefully we manage to start. I'm going to give you a few examples. For instance, for instance, long ago, a hundred years ago, when I was young, I was a student in college, construction university, and I, I went to a church. I went to a church, and that church was a wonderful church, wonderful people, good people like you and me. Everybody wonderful. Hey, happy Sabbath, happy Sabbath. How are you doing? Good, you're good. Hey, you know, hugs and just good people. I love them. I still keep in touch with them. We are good friends. But there was nothing happening. I mean, routine. You go to church, you sing Kumbaya, you say the prayer, listen to the sermon, you go home. You follow me? Routine. Next Sabbath, you go to church, you, you sing the same Kumbaya, you listen to the same prayer, another sermon, go home. Next Sabbath, same, year after year. 
Nothing happening. No growth, no baptisms, no revival, no power, nothing different. More than that, in that time in Romania, the communist regime didn't allow us to have students in the seminary, except we did have, except a very limited number, like two a year or something. But we got more elderly pastors getting retired than new pastors coming in. So what do you do when you don't have pastors? We kept the old pastors until they would die on the pulpit. Basically, we had a pastor that was about 300 years old. I'm exaggerating to make a point. He was about 90-something, and he was like, Brothers, we got to love each other. When you have that type of sermon, imagine people are snoring, and at the balcony, the choir, the young people, about, I don't know, 40, 50, 60, whatever of them, they are looking through magazines, looking to cars, telling jokes, talking. The church was dead. You follow me? What do you do about that? Well, you have several options. One option is to criticize. Some people love to criticize. Oh, this church. You know? The pastor. But you know who is the church? The church is not the building. It's not the institution. It's not the pastor. The church is the people. Ecclesia, the Greek word, is the people. The church is you and me. The church is God's object of attention. God loves the church. To criticize the church, you, you criticize God's children. It doesn't help. It does damage to you and to the others. Another option is to do nothing. You go home and you say, oh, it's so bad, but what can you do? But there is another option. My friend and I, we did everything together. We were in army together. We were in school together. We did good stuff and stupid stuff together. My friend and I decided to pray for the church. We didn't pray one prayer. Prayer the spirit of prophecy says that is the breath of the soul. Let me ask you, how many times do you breathe a day? You breathe five minutes in the morning when you wake up and five minutes in the evening when you go to sleep the way we pray. And then you breathe before the meal like three times and you are done with breathing or you breathe all the time. Well, test it. Stop breathing for one hour and see what happens to you. Don't do that. Because then we have a funeral. You breathe if you want to stay alive. Prayer is the breath of the soul. That means, it says in a quotation that I have here, we don't have time, that slow down in prayer, neglect prayer, and you'll die spiritually. That's the reason the Bible says pray without, it's like breathe without ceasing. If you want to stay alive spiritually, you need to be connected spiritually. Pray without ceasing doesn't mean stop going to work. And just be on your knees 24-7. It means stay connected. Be connected. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you separate from me, you can do nothing. Basically, stay connected. And so we didn't pray one anemic prayer, 15 seconds. We didn't pray one evening prayer of meeting, one hour. We decided that we are going to pray how long? Until something happens. I want to make a parenthesis here in the story. All revivals in the earth history, no exception, literally all have happened when people got together and prayed. Prayer brings revival. That's a rule. Prayer brings revival. 
And so, my friend and I started to pray. We didn't invite the whole church. I tell you, it would be nice if the whole church came. But you will never get the whole church to come. And if you wait for the whole church to come, you'll never pray. If you really want to do it, do it. Who can stop you to do it? In fact, the Bible says God doesn't despise the small beginnings. I learned in my experience that if you start with 50 people and 20 don't show up next time, the other 30 get discouraged and another 20 leave, you know? But if you start with two and then another two show up, they get, hey, our numbers doubled. And then more show. It's better to start small and to grow than to start big and to die. You follow me? And what we did, human nature is pretty strange. People always want to have what they cannot have. If they are blonde, they want to be brunette. If they are brunette, they want to be blonde. If they have long hair, they want it curly, like my wife. If she has curly hair, she wants it straight. They always want what they cannot have. So we didn't tell them, please come to prayer because nobody would come. We told them, you are not allowed to come to prayer. And they all wanted to come. We said, it's going to be tough. You cannot be part of it. This is for a select group. We cannot allow you to participate. Oh, can I come? No. Please. Okay. <laughs> kind of. So what we did, my friend and I made tough rules for the youth. We said, you cannot come to prayer unless you are dedicated and serious. If you come and you are late, you are going to pay a fine and the money go into mission funds. And we said, you need to sign down that you are going to pay a fine. If you come and then miss... You are out and you cannot come with us playing soccer in the park and you cannot go with us in the mountains camping. You are out of the group. It's better for you not to come and you are still part of the group. But if you come to prayer and do something wrong, you are out. And we told them, you cannot be part of the group. They, oh, come on, I want to be part of the group, you know. And so my friend and I started and then another girl joined three. And then another two boys joined five. And then more and then we were like 10 and then we were 20 and then eventually... Over 50 young people were praying. And we prayed every day at home for one hour. And one day at the church, Friday nights, we met and prayed for about one hour and a half. It was not only prayer. It was a little study, short, like a paragraph. A little talk, short, not a sermon. Just five, ten minutes, uh, you know, digesting what we studied. And then praying. And you may say, what do you pray in two hours? Well, if you pray generic, it takes 50 seconds. If you pray specific, it takes forever. For instance, if you say, Lord, build my church, five seconds, that's generic. But if you take every name, every mother, every father, every child, every leader, every elder, every deacon, every, you follow me, Sabbath school teacher, it's going to take you a while to pray for the whole church. And real prayer is when you pray specific. You don't say, forgive my sins. You need to name it. You don't say, thank you for the blessings. You need to name it. When you really care, you name it. If you really mean it, then God will answer it. Small prayers, small answers. Big prayers, big answers. You don't go to medical school one day and you, you are a doctor. You don't go to prayer five seconds and you expect a miracle. You follow me? It takes commitment. He says in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, the disciples were committed, dedicated to prayer. They were not just anemic prayer. They were about prayer. And so, we prayed every day, one hour, and one day, Friday night, together about one hour and a half. After about three, four months, more or less, the youth of the church started to work 
to visit the sick, to visit the elderly, to get involved in mission trips, to have activities, to have programs in the church. The church exploded. The church started to be active, to be revived. We got a new pastor. I believe it was a result of prayer, but God knows. We got a new pastor. He was extremely powerful and connected to God. The whole church was transformed. The church started to grow. People started to come from other churches because they said, something is going on in that church. And everybody wants to be part of it. People that were not coming to church, they left the church 10, 15, 20 years ago, they came back. People that were visitors started to come and to like it. The church exploded. Prayer, 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 prayer. I could give you more examples. God wants us to be ready. God wants us to grow. We, 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 we have a problem. We get baptized. Is it good or bad to be baptized? It's good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Why are you? Uh, is this a tricky question? <coughs> it's good. Is it enough? No. The reason we have problems in our private life and in our family and in our churches is because we think this is it. After you get baptized, that's the end of the story. Let me tell you, if you have a baby that is born and you neglect the baby, that's child abuse. You need to take care of the baby. The baby needs to be changed. It has diapers that are full. The baby needs to be burped. The baby needs to be nurtured, to be fed. Am I right? If you have a new baptized baby in the church, do you think the baby is born and that's it? Birth, baptism, is not the end of the story. It's the beginning. The reason we have problems in the church is because we have baptisms and that's the end of the story. We have a meal, praise the Lord, two people gave their life to Jesus and that's the end. No, that's the beginning. The baby needs to grow. If you have a baby and the baby doesn't grow, you need to go to the doctor. In our churches, if you measure them, when they get born, they are like this. And if you measure them 40 years later, they are still like this. And they still wear diapers and they still stink. The baby doesn't grow. You hear, I sang the song and nobody applauded. I'm not going back to that church. Oh, grow up, come on. This, this is what that man said about me. I'm not going back. The baby needs to grow. We have work, but I don't have time. The baby needs to grow. The baby needs to grow. The reason we have problems in our churches is because we understand, or hopefully understand justification, but we don't understand sanctification. We understand how to be born, but we don't understand how to grow. Do you follow me? We like justification and we like glorification. It's like you, you like to be baptized and you like to go in heaven. But we don't understand the part in between baptism and heaven, the sanctification process. We like to get out of Egypt and we like to go in Canaan. But we don't understand the wilderness and we don't like the wilderness in between. And so... We need to learn how to grow. We need to learn how to grow. We need, and growth, you can plant, 
But God gives the growth, says in the Bible. You follow me? Growth happens by the Spirit. It's not by might, nor by, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit. The Bible says, in fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, that we need to grow to the measure of statue of fullness of Christ. We need to <coughs> grow from babies to the spiritual maturity, to the measure of statue of fullness of Christ. From milk to hard food. Let me, let me explain something. Israel got out of Egypt, and when there was time to grow, to go to the next step, what they did? They went back to the comfort zone. And they went back and back 40 years, around and around. That's what we do. Comfort zone, we never step out. God is calling you to go to the next level. You need to step out and grow. And so how does growth happen? Let me give you another example, and then we, and then we continue. Uh, I heard the story. I was not there to see it. But I heard the story that, for instance, in, in Kenya, and again, I, I'm not going to give details because I don't know the details. In Kenya, the church grows very fast. The church is doing very well. Praise the Lord. But in Nairobi, that is very secular, all the business happens in the capital. Nairobi is big. It's about 11 million people, more or less. I don't know. Uh, Nairobi doesn't grow so fast. I don't know the numbers. But let's suppose, let's pretend that in the countryside, in the whole country, let's suppose growth is uh, 30%. In Nairobi, maybe it's only 3%. Again, I don't know the numbers. I'm just saying very little compared to the rest of the country. And they said, we need to do something about it. So a group of young pastors got together and they started to pray for revival. And they prayed that God would give them the vision what to do. And they prayed and they prayed a month, two months, three months. Every night at the church they prayed together. After a few months of prayer, they got a phone call from a non-denominational pastor. You know, folks, I discovered that Sabbath is not Sunday, it's Saturday. And this is new for me. So I googled what church worships on Saturday. And I found out that you keep Saturday. Would you please send me some materials to learn more about Sabbath? Well, they sent him some Bible studies. He studied them. And then he studied them with his churches. He had one or two churches. I don't know. And then he got baptized. And many of his churches got baptized. But then he said to his churches, let's do something about it. Let's pray. Because this is a life-changing experience. Let's tell others. So they started to pray this pastor that got baptized. And then, every once in a while, pastors from all denominations, from all Nairobi, get together like once, twice a year to share resources. <clears throat> there were about more or less 2,000 pastors that met. They meet every once in a while. He made copies of those Bible studies. And all the pastors from all denominations from Nairobi, when they met, he gave each one a copy of the Bible studies. And he shared his experience with them. How it has changed his life. Well, I don't remember the number, but over 190 non-Adventist pastors got baptized. 
I don't remember, 195, 196, not important. Over 190, close to 200 non-Adventist pastors got baptized. And many of their churches, I don't know the number, could be 10,000, could be 50,000, could be a million, I don't know. Not a million, obviously, but I'm saying, they went back to their churches, and many of their members got baptized because a group of pastors got together and prayed and acted on it. You follow me? Is revival possible? Oh, yes, absolutely. And not only in Kenya. I could give you examples uh, in America. I could give you examples in Europe. I could give you more examples. There are plenty of stories here. But revival is possible, and God is waiting for the church to experience revival. Let me start the subject, because you don't want to stop at the introduction. Uh, revival comes when people pray. Jesus told the disciples, do not go. Don't go. You are going to go and you are going to work and you are going to get zero results. Don't go. Wait in the city, Jesus said to them, and pray. How long? He says, pray until, how long should we pray? Pray until you receive the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power. They come together. When the Holy Spirit comes, Power comes. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power. Then go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. The disciples obeyed. They went to the upper room and they prayed a day, two days, three days, and so on. When the Holy Spirit came, power came. They went. Thousands got baptized. Miracles happened. The church grew in about 30 years, 32 years, from a hand of people to cover the whole known world in that time. The church exploded and they had no money. No cars, no TV, no internet, basically no media. They were persecuted. They didn't have anything. Nevertheless, through a hand of people, the church exploded and covered the world. Because God can do what we cannot. The Holy Spirit was poured over the early church as the early rain to start the work. And the Holy Spirit is going to be poured over the latter church, the, the last uh, generation, as the... Uh, latter rain to close the work but to receive the holy spirit we must pray listen let's put the presentation on the screen we need to grow and growth happens by the spirit and we have good church praise the lord don't we we have good programs we have good doctrines we have uh, uh, good food <laughs> A lot of good stuff, but listen, we don't have growth. And God is calling us to grow. It's time to grow. So let me start the presentation. I don't know what happens if it's not on the screen. It's, it's going to come. You just need to be patient. Pray for the patience of the saints. It is there. Praise the Lord. Thank you. We need to grow to the measure. Okay. How does growth happen? I'm going to show how growth happens through the parable of the ten virgins. Uh, you see, we are not going to read the Bible verses. We do, knew, do know the Bible verses. But we know there, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins who took their lamps. Da, 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 da. Now it says that five were wise and five were foolish. Why? 
Who are, listen carefully to the question, who are the foolish five? The church or the world? Be careful because this is a tricky question. Who are the foolish five? Huh? Nobody answers. The church, brother and sister, all ten virgins, I want you to remember, they are all virgins. You know what that means? The pure church. They are all dressed in white. You know what that means? The righteousness of Christ. It's not the red scarlet prostitute. It's a virgin. They all are waiting for the second coming. That's God's church. Adventists, they are waiting. They have parousia from the Greek. They are waiting for Jesus. Who is, what church is waiting for Jesus? They have the lamps. The Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. They have the word. They have the commandments. What church does that? You follow me? They are God's church in the last generation. Laodicea. But what does the Bible say about Laodicea? It's not hot. It's not cold. It's how? Lukewarm. The ten virgins, listen carefully, how many of them fall asleep? What, what, what? All ten? All ten says in the Bible, they all, let's put the slide back. Let's put the slide back. Now listen. They all had the lamp. They all had oil. They all had light. <coughs> they all had light. But you're supposed also to have re containers with reserve of oil. I don't know if you know the details. I could show it to you on the screen. I have pictures with how the lamps, they are very, 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 very small. How the lamps look like. I don't know if I have the picture here on the presentation. Doesn't matter. The lamps were very small and the container was silver, round cylinder, very small. And the oil from the lamp would last six hours and the oil from the container would last another six hours. Basically, it would get you through the night. Okay, they all had oil in the lamps. What does it mean? When they got baptized, they all received the Holy Spirit. They all believe the truth. They all go to church. They all sing kumbaya. They all eat tofu. They all know the state of the dead. They all know the 2300 days and nights prophecy. They all, you follow me? Go to camp meeting. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a joy. The problem is, that they all, including the wise, fall asleep. Let's go up there on the slide. While the groom was delayed, how many of them? Look there. How many of them? It says at the bottom, they all, the whole church. You know, they all, let me read you a quotation. Let me read you a quotation from here. I have a, a nice, very interesting quotation. Listen carefully. Second Testimonies, page 205. By the sleeping disciples is representing a sleeping church before the day of visitation. Before the second coming, the church is sleeping. Listen, when the day of God's visitation is very near, it is a time of darkness when to be found asleep is extremely dangerous. Another quotation, Second Testimonies, page 337. Christ is at the door. Men and women are in the last hours of probation of this earth. Yet, they are careless and foolish. They sleep. And preachers have no power to wake them up because they themselves, the preachers, are sleeping too. And then he says, sleeping ministers preaching to sleeping members. Whoa. I, is, this is 
from the spirit of prophecy. It's not mine. I didn't invent it. Everybody, me and you, you know, the church, they all fall asleep. Let's go back. What happens? At the midnight, they hear, they hear the cry. The groom is coming. And they, how many of them wake up? How many? The wise. Huh? How many of them wake up? They all wake up. They all experience revival. Up to this point, there is no difference between the foolish and the wise. They all have lamps. They all have light. They all have oil. They all fall asleep. They all wake up. So far, so good. No difference in the church. But then, when they wake up, five of them discover that the oil is gone. So what's the difference between five and five in the church? They are all in the church, God's people. They have the commandments. They are waiting for the second coming. They are dressed in Jesus' righteousness. They have the word. They are God's people. What's the difference? Listen carefully. When they got baptized, they all got oil. They all got lamps. But in time, listen carefully, five of them got so busy, so distracted, that they failed to daily fill the container with oil. Do you follow me? People think that if they got baptized and if they got the Holy Spirit in the beginning, that's enough. You cannot breathe yesterday for today. You cannot eat yesterday for today. You cannot drink water yesterday for You need to do it daily if you want to stay alive. It's not enough to receive the Holy Spirit when you get baptized. You need to daily be filled, freshly baptized with the Spirit. Because if you get the Holy Spirit when you get baptized, and then tomorrow you have a little less in the container, and the next day a little less, and slowly the oil goes down, you don't see it how it goes down. But eventually, the light is dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And, and then eventually, when you sleep and you don't know, when you don't even know, the oil goes off. And that makes the difference between saved and lost. It's not enough to go to church. It's not enough to be baptized. Let me give you an example. The young people, when I was, I don't know, in high school, maybe 14, 15, 16, we all, the, her, the whole church, went to the Black Sea, camping by the sea. And the pastor said to us, folks, you are young, you are strong, let's have a contest. We said, okay, we all love a competition. You see, that's the Black Sea, and that's the lake. It was a gigantic, salty lake. Gigantic, called Tekirgyol. That lake, if you Google it, it's amazing. It's, it's very salty. If you get a drop of salt in the ice, you cry forever and ever. Amen. You know? It's very salty. You can lay on your back on the lake and read the newspaper. It, you don't sink. It's just so salty. And it's very long. I don't know how long. A few kilometers. Maybe, I don't know, 10. I don't know. I don't want to. And very wide. A few kilometers, like four, five, six. From this shore, across the lake, on the other shore, you don't see people. The distance is so big. And the homes, the houses, you see them so small. And when you start swimming and you depart from the shore, from the trees, you see that you are going. But when you get in the middle of the lake, because of the waves and the wind, you don't see anything around you anymore. 
and you don't know, are you going in the right direction? Are you going left? Are you, and you get on the top of a wave, and you see the homes, but you, it, it seems, because you are in the middle of the lake, it seems that you don't make any progress, and you get discouraged. And people die in the middle of the lake without drowning. That's pretty strange. So the pastor took a boat, and we, the young people, the strong, started to swim. And my father used to tell me, it's not enough to start the race. You must finish the race. It's not enough to go to the medical school. You need to graduate. You follow me? It's not enough to be baptized. You need to grow. And so, it's not enough to start the race. You must finish the race. So they got in the water and they, choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. Me? My father told me, you need to continually do it. You never stop. And to do that, you impose a rhythm. I said to myself, I'm the smallest among them. That guy is like, is like Rambo. That guy has muscles like Schwarzenegger. Me? You know? Nobody. But they go, oh, 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 oh. me? I have a rhythm. And I started to sing a song to impose a rhythm. And I said, I continually keep doing it. And I started, pam, 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 slow. Continually. Pam, 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 pam. Dum, da, dum, dum, dum. And they were <laughs> tired. Me? Pam, 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 pam. I caught them from behind. Keeping the rhythm continually. And they, aha, you want to pass us. And then, even more tired. And then after a while they said, you know what? It doesn't make sense. We are so tired. They got in the boat. One by one. All of them but me. All of them got in the boat. And they said, Pavel, you are alone in the water. Doesn't make sense to continue the race. I said, I'm not racing you folks. I want to finish the race. I want to finish. I want to get to the other shore. Get in the boat. Leave me alone. You can go. And I kept going. And I got to the other shore. They were there. They already got there. They ate. They were waiting for me. When I got to the other shore, I got a little food. And then they said, get in the boat to cross back. I said, nope, you can go. I'm going to cross. I crossed back. I was the single one finishing the race. It's not enough, folks, to go to church. It's good, but not enough. It's not enough when you get baptized to have experience with God 20 years ago. You need to daily be filled with spirit. The difference between those who are in and those who are out is that those who are out didn't have enough oil in containers. They were destitute of the Holy Spirit. They did have oil in the beginning. They did have light, the word, the commandments, the, the knowledge, the, the forms, going to church, eating broccoli. They did have everything in the beginning. But they failed to daily fill the container, to daily continue to be freshly baptized with God's presence. They limited themselves to the beginning experience and then to a religion of forms. Listen carefully. They had the lambs, but they didn't have oil. The lambs are the forms who hold the content, the oil. They had the forms, but they had no content inside. The Bible says having a religion of forms, denying the power. Having a lot of forms, 
but no power. Ellen White talks about Alpha Crisis and Omega Crisis. And she says, Alpha Crisis was during Kellogg. Pantheism. God everywhere. God is in the table. God is in the chair. God is in me. We worship everything. Pantheism. And she says, Omega Crisis, before Jesus comes, they are going to have a lot of programs, but no God. No presence. We live that crisis. We have a bunch of programs. Good, praise the Lord. But we lack the power. We desperately need to be freshly, daily, continually baptized with the Holy Spirit. There is no growth without God. There is no victory without the Holy Spirit. There is no baptism without the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully. Let's go back to the screen. God wants us to be ready. And to be ready is to be filled with oil. To be ready is to be filled with the Spirit. To be ready is to be, to be filled with the Spirit. I want you to hear that. To be ready is to be filled, not only to have Spirit, oil, in the beginning, but to be filled with the Spirit. Why do you need oil? My question is, why? Well, oil in the lamps ignited the, the, the fire, am I right? And kept the fire burning. Oil... Why fire? Fire gave energy and gave light. Let me give you the quick story. The, the, the tradition and the history says that in Palestine in that time, streets had no names. It was not Highway 57, uh, Lee Highway. There were no names or numbers. I've been there. I've seen the ruins. Streets are crazy confusing. Like, like a maze, like a labyrinth. It, it's, it's crazy. And they had no names. If you lived in the city, you knew the streets. But if you lived in a different city, you didn't know the streets. And they had no maps, no names. Weddings happened in the night. If you come from a different city and the streets have no names, you get lost. So the tradition says that the family of the groom would have the young people take lamps with oil and go from the entrance in the city to the wedding hall from all entrances, all intersections, light the way so nobody would get lost. What was the reason for the oil? To light the way so nobody would get lost. What is the reason for the Holy Spirit? Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Don't let, don't hide your light under a bushel. You remember the Bible verse? The song says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine in the dark. You are the light of the world. You, you know the song? You are the light. You are the salt. The Bible says in a different Bible verse, you are the watchman. If you give a clear signal and your neighbor doesn't listen, the blood is going to be required out of his hand. But if you don't give the light, don't give the signal, he's going to perish. But his blood is going to be required out of your hand. Hello? The virgins were supposed to light the way so nobody around them would be lost. God asked you and me, to light the way so nobody around us would be lost. And God is going to make you and me responsible if we are a light or not. 
I remember when I was young, about 17, I was the choir director, and, 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 and we prepared a Christmas program, and I worked so hard for months, and I prepared what I thought the best Christmas program in the earth history. I thought so. Anyway, we prepared choir, we had the youth choir, the main church choir, a men choir, we had a, a group, we had some instruments, we had drama, we had poetry, we had everything. It was the best Christmas program in the history of humankind. And, and we worked about four months to prepare the program, and we had the program, and everybody applauded, wow, and I was in heaven already, and I go home like, big like a turkey, and I said to my father, did you enjoy the program? And my father, cool, indifferent, says to me, what program? I said, what world are you living in? The Christmas program. He says, ah, oh, the program, okay. Did you enjoy it? And my father says, who prepared the program? I said, we did. And he says, who listened to the program? I said, well, uh, the church. Who is the church? We. He says, uh-huh, you prepared the program and you listened to the program, son. I said, yes. And my father says, son, I have a question for you. I said, okay. If you have a cow, and the cow gives milk, and then the cow drinks the milk, why do you have a cow? I said, what do you mean? He says, son, you don't do agriculture in the barn. You do agriculture in the field and bring the harvest in the barn. You don't do church in the church. Jesus sent you to go. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's the Great Commission. Go. You are supposed to go and invite them to the, to the meal. Invite them to the wedding. You are supposed to go to the intersection and invite people from outside. You don't do the programs for yourself. And my father said to me, God gave us a mission and the spirit of prophecy says that that's the reason for the church to exist. And then she says, if we stop doing mission, our church should be closed. And my father said to me, you have no reason to exist if you live to do the programs for yourself, to listen and then to brag with it. Wow. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Israel was called by God to be a light, to be a blessing. Spirit of prophecy says to spread God's love to the to a perishing world, to spread God's love because Jesus loves, God loves people. He wants that no one should perish but all have eternal life, be saved. God loves people. He died for people. But Israel closed themselves within four walls and they said to the others, you are unclean. Don't come in my sanctuary. They isolated themselves and because of that, they lost their call. Now God called you and me as the spiritual Israel. And we are a kingdom of priests. And we are supposed to be a light to all. And our house of prayer has to be a house of prayer to all, not only to our church. What do you do the programs for? Do you follow me? It's good that we have programs. Praise the Lord. Don't get me wrong. Oh, we should have no programs. Uh-uh. I'm not saying that. It's good that we have programs. But who do we do it for? If you have Camp meeting, is it for us or for those that don't have the light? If you have VBS, if you have whatever you have, who is it for? Because if we are producers and consumers of what we produce, we have lost our mission. The ten virgins, all ten were the church. Five of them who had oil, they had light 
they were invited in. Five of them that failed to daily fill their containers with oil, they failed to be a light and they were out. The fact that you are a light or not, the fact that you have the Holy Spirit or not, decides if you will be saved or lost for eternity. That's pretty serious. That's pretty serious. We got to slide four out of 53. That's good. Let me jump at the end because I am hungry and our time is up. Let's jump to slide seven for now, please. Seven. The Spirit was poured over the early church to start the work. And the Spirit will be poured over the last church, latter rain, to finish the work. We need the Spirit. The difference between saved and lost is if you are filled daily with the Spirit. It takes the presence of God to do the work of God. It takes power. What matters most is not how you start the race, but how you finish the race. I'm going to jump a little. By the way, the bad news, the bad news in the Bible, not the good news, is that when Jesus comes, some people in the church will not make it. Five will be in, five will be out. From two on the field, one will be taken, one will be lost. From two groups, one is going to hear, come in, good servant, and one is going to hear, I don't know you. Lord, we have been going to church. Uh-huh, I don't know you. In what group are you? In the New Testament, you hear the word again and again and again. What baptism have you been baptized with? Apollos? You follow me? Have you received the Holy Spirit when you have been baptized? You remember? Oh, I've been baptized only with John or only Apollo, only with water. <coughs> you need to be baptized, <coughs> excuse me, with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, John says, I baptize you with water, but he who comes after me baptizes you with spirit and fire. I baptize you with water, but he who comes after me, Jesus, he baptizes you with spirit and fire. It doesn't say or, it says and. When they come, they come together. When God comes, when the spirit comes, fire comes. When the oil comes, fire comes. You follow me? Let me give you an example. Elijah prayed. When God's presence came, what came? Fire from heaven. The disciples prayed in the upper room. When the Holy Spirit came, what came? Fire. Let me tell you, when you get in the water and you come out, you are wet. When you go in the fire and you come out, you are hot. Are you hot for the Lord? You go to church. I love you, Lord. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Wake up! Where is the energy? Let me give you an example. My grandma had the magnifying glass. She didn't have glasses. She had the magnifying glass. And when she would read the Bible, she would do this. Oh, okay. Big letters. She would read. And then she would drop the magnifying glass on the Bible and go and cook. I would steal the magnifying glass, go out, put papers, and then focus in the sun. When I would focus really well, you know what happened to the papers? They got on fire. Let me translate it for you. Whatever you focus on, 
That's what you get on fire for. If you focus on your girlfriend, you're going to get on fire for your girlfriend. If you focus on sports, you'll get on fire for sports. If you focus on politics, you're going to get on fire for politics. If you focus on business, you're going to get on fire for business. If you focus on Jesus, you're going to get on fire for Jesus. What are you burning for? When you go to sleep, what consumes, what stresses you? Because whatever you are on fire for, that's what you worship. Wherever is your treasure, that's where your heart is. The Bible says in Revelation 13, the whole people, all nations, all, all means all, who dwell on earth will worship the beast. It says all who dwell on earth will worship the beast. Whoa, not me. But listen carefully, the word dwell is translated from Greek, to live in and to focus on. All people who focus on earthly things worship the beast. That means that you can be in the church, keep Sabbath, pray. If you are in the church, but you focus on earthly things, you may think that you worship God without even knowing you actually worship the beast. Did you know that? You can be in the church and be lost and not know that you are lost. Like the lost coin. The sheep is lost outside. And the sheep says, help me. But the coin is lost inside the house, in the church. And the coin is quiet. doesn't say, because the coin says, I'm in. I keep Sabbath. You follow me? We can be in the church and be sleeping and be lost and think that we are saved. Remember, the virgins were sleeping. In the Bible, sleep is the symbol for safety. Jesus was sleeping in the boat during the storm because the Spirit of Christ says he knew that he is safe in the Father's hands. He knew that he is safe in the Father's hands. The, the, the virgins are sleeping. Why? It's a false sense of security. We are Adventists. We have the truth. We keep Sabbath. We are waiting for Jesus to come. A false sense of security. Lord, we have been going to church. I don't know you. Too late. It's time to wake up. Jesus is coming. It's time for us not to receive the Holy Spirit only when you are baptized, but receive a new measure of the Holy Spirit every day. Every morning you say, Lord, I need you. Not only sing, I need you. Every... To live it, Lord, I need you every hour. It's not enough to have you 40 years ago. I need you today. I need you tomorrow. I, every day the prayer of the soul should be, Lord, without you, I am lost. I need you. Would you Please fill me with your presence to the point that there is no more room. Lord, I don't want to live without you. Like Moses, if you don't go with me, don't let me move one step. Lord, I need you in my heart. I need you in my family. I need you. Please, I want you more than life. Please. Jesus is at the door. He doesn't need to be begged. He's waiting to be invited in. When you say, I need you, when you open the door, he's going to jump in before you change your mind. Remember, the Bible says, if you who are evil give good gifts to your children, how, am I more, how much more your Father in heaven is going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask for it. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want revival. Lord, we need your Spirit. Without the Spirit, we cannot grow. 
We cannot be filled with oil. We cannot be light. We need you to be light. Let me jump to the end. By the way, I have a, a, a slide 16. I have a question for you. No, slide 15, 15, one, five. Just give me another prophetic minute and we finish. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict you of what? He'll convict you of sin, of righteousness, and of? What is that? Have you read this Bible verse before? What is that? Well, let me explain what it is. When the Holy Spirit comes, he'll convict you of sin. That's when you get converted. It's called justification. He'll convict you of righteousness. That's when you grow, become righteous. It's called sanctification. And he'll convict you of judgment. That's when Jesus comes. That's salvation. It's called glorification. The Holy Spirit is necessary for every step in your Christian life. The Holy Spirit helps you to be convicted, helps you to grow to maturity, and helps you to be saved. The Holy Spirit gives you justification, sanctification, glorification. Without the Spirit, there is nothing. We need the Spirit in the beginning. We need the Spirit in the middle. We need the Spirit at the end. We need the Spirit. We need the oil. Without the oil, we are dead, lost. How much do we pray daily for the Spirit? It's not enough that we have received the Spirit at baptism. Let me jump at the end, give you a few quotations, and then we finish. You know Ze Zechariah 4 says, not by my, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. The Bible says, you will know them by their fruits. But remember, in Galatians chapter, Jesus says in Matthew 7, you will know them by their fruits. You can say you are a Christian. If you have no fruits, you are no Christian. Listen. In, in, in Galatians chapter 5, it gives the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit means that in order to have fruit, you need to have the Spirit. You cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit because it's not your fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. A banana tree will never make apples. It will make bananas. If you want to make apples, you need to be an apple tree. It's not your fruit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Stop trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You'll produce the fruit of the human flesh. In order to have the fruit of the Spirit, you need to be daily filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit in you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's how you know that you are a Christian. Let's, let's go to the end. Slide 28. A revival of true Let's put it on the screen, please. A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all our needs. To seek this should be our first work. And now listen, jump to the end. A revival needs to be expected only in answer to prayer. Listen to the next one. Without the Spirit, a knowledge of the Word... Read the Bible, know the doctrines. Without the Spirit, a knowledge. Satan has knowledge. It doesn't save him. A knowledge of the Word is of no avail. The theory, unaccompanied by the Spirit, cannot sanctify the heart. One may be familiar with the commands, yet without the Spirit, he will never, the character will never be transformed. Without the Spirit, we cannot even distinguish from truth and from error. Listen, another quotation, powerful. In the parable, all ten go out. All had lamps and oil and vessels. For a time, there is no difference between it. So, with the church before Jesus' second coming, all had the knowledge. But as it was in the parable, so it is now. 
they all fall asleep and they are not ready. They have no oil. They are destitute of the spirit. Wow. The class represented by the foolish are not hypocrites. They believe the truth. They preach the truth. But they fail to assimilate the principles. They have satisfied with the superficial work. Satisfied with the work of forms. They have the forms. They go to church. They sing kumbaya. They have a religion of forms. But they don't know God. Their service to God degenerates into a form. Many will say, I want to come in. But in this life, they have not entered into fellowship with Christ. Wow. Saddest of all words would be, I don't know you. The fellowship of the spirit that you have neglected could alone prepare you for the marriage feast. Wow. Let me jump to the Being in the position that we are, we need to be wide awake, fully devoted, fully converted, fully consecrated. But we sit to be paralyzed. We seem to be paralyzed. God of heaven, wake us up. Oh. It was shown the state of God's professed people. I was shown many of them in great darkness, insensitive to their true condition. Let me jump. I want to read... If God is to bless this church in the last days, it will be because of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit will not only be studied, but sought after with the whole heart. Ministers and congregations should bow down before God with one cry. We have grieved the Holy Spirit. We have tried to be Christians without the Holy Spirit. We have not sought to be churches filled with the Spirit. Now listen carefully. If we don't have the Spirit, it was better to close the churches. If our ministers don't have the Holy Spirit, you should not preach. I think I don't speak too strong when I say a church in the land without the Spirit is rather a curse than a blessing. Whew. Since this is the means by which we are to receive power, why don't we hunger for the Spirit? Why don't we talk about the Spirit? Why don't we pray for the Spirit? The Lord is more willing, we read that, for the daily, 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 for the daily baptism of the Spirit, every worker should offer his petitions to God. Companies of Christians should get together and pray. Especially they should pray that God will baptize them with the Holy Spirit, with a rich measure of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Spirit with God's workers will give the proclamation power. Book of Acts, page 50. I'm going to stop here. I want to close with a story. To be filled by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, continually connected, continually under God's leading, continually filled to the point that as Jesus, you don't speak your own words, you don't do your own actions. Let me give you a quick story. Uh, in Romania, the church where I grew up was very old and very small. And whatever, I don't want to say too much. But the, the pastor house that was L-shape, the church and the pastor house, the pastor house was made out of plywood, 
Can you imagine that? And the bathroom, I don't want to go into many details, but you would, there was no toilets to sit on. You would be standing, I don't know how to explain it. And it was just old, primitive. And we talked about it, the church. I was too young, I was a kid. And my father with the board, with the elders, with the pastor, they together decided to build a new church. But that was against the law. You build a new church, you get in prison or you lose your life. At least your freedom. During a communist regime, you don't build churches, you don't bring Bibles, you don't, you know, you don't. You don't you, 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 it will never happen, you to take a miracle. So they demolished the old church, but they left the front wall prompted with some things to stay, and they built the new church hiding behind the front wall of the old church. Do you understand? And they started to build only in the night, without using any light, the light of the moon, without using any power tools, so there is no noise. And people would come, not in big groups, two, three, around 11, 11.30, 12 midnight, and people would leave quietly around 4, 5 a.m., and they worked every night until after a few months later, a new church started to grow taller than the old wall. So neighbors noticed the new church, so they called the police. The police came. We were there at the church. The police knocked in the gate. You built a church, we are going to demolish and arrest you. The whole church that were building, they got in the boardroom and they started to pray and to cry because we knew we go to prison. And my father told the pastor, take vacation. You are young, God has a plan for you. Take your wife and go, take vacation, because you are not useful in prison. You are young, God still has work with you. Let me go to prison because I am old, I've done my job, it's okay. The pastor took his wife and they left. And my father with the rest of the group, they kept praying, Lord, without you, we are done. We are going to be arrested. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. The police didn't have a warrant. We didn't open the gate, so the police came. They said they will come later. When they came later, the story is long. But I want to give you a few points from the story. When they started to pray together, they prayed the whole night, weeping, Lord, if there is something between me and you, between me and my neighbor, forgive us, should be nothing that would hinder, would, would, would stop your work. Should be nothing that would limit your power. Forgive us and help us. And they started to cry and they started to hug one another and ask forgiveness one another. And every problem that was between them was taken care of. The police left. They came a few months later, actually. And they said, we need to demolish our church. It's against the law to build a church. They demolished hundreds and hundreds, I don't know the number, thousands of churches in Romania, as they do right now in China. But anyway, when they came back, they said, who is the leader? And my father said, arrest me, I'm the leader. And another guy said, arrest me, I'm the leader. And then another guy said, arrest me. Soon enough, there were like a hundred leaders or something. And they said, we need to demolish the church. And my father said, I'm going to step in front of the walls with my wife and my children. You cannot touch our church unless you go through, through human flesh. And then another family, and another family, the whole church stood in front of the walls. The workers from the bulldozers, they said, you know, we cannot go through human beings. The police wanted to drive the bulldozers into, the, into people, and, but the police didn't know how to drive it. So they teach us how to drive this thing. No, suit yourself. 
The police got angry, took my father to the police station. And they said, why do you do that? He said, well, God told me to do it. God told us to do it. And we cannot stand still. We cannot just stay comfortable and do nothing. Jesus is coming. We need to do our work. We are going to demolish our church. My father said, that's the best news. If you demolish the church, we are not going to worship within the walls. We are going to go in the center of the city, in the marketplace, and we are going to preach openly to the whole city. Please demolish it so we can preach, have, have many baptisms. Oh, no, that's not a good idea. But we are going to kill you to make you an example so nobody would ever do that again. And they called the mayor of the city. What shall we do with this guy? He brings Bibles from Yugoslavia. He builds churches. What shall we do to him? And the mayor said, kill him. Kill him. Execute him. Make him an example. They should never follow their God. They should listen to the communist regime. And the, the, the police officer said to my father, I'm sorry, but I have to kill you. My father said, no need to apologize. Do your job. <laughs> and my father said, let me pray. Oh, don't you pray and beg for mercy. There will be no mercy. My father, no, 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 no. I'm not about to pray that God will save my life. I want to pray for you. I feel bad for you. You'll be lost. So my father put his hand around the police officer and said, Lord, would you forgive him and open his eyes and make him like me? I want to see him in heaven. Would you make him an Adventist? Would you save him? My father prayed for that guy and then said, now you can kill me. I'm ready. I'm going to see Jesus. And the guy said, you are crazy. My father said, yeah, I agree. You don't get and that guy was ready to shoot my father and he got a phone call. It was the deputy of the city, the vice president, the one under the mayor. He says, let him go. After the mayor gave the order to be killed, he got into his car. He got out of the city hall and the truck with a drunk driver hit the car and killed the mayor just a few seconds ago. The mayor got killed. I don't want to lose my life. These people have the power of God in them. These people have the spirit of God in them. Don't touch them. You touch them, you touch your life. Let him go home. Leave them alone. I remember the whole church getting together and saying, what a sweet, precious thing is to get together and pray and follow God's plan. Even when you go through crisis, you are never alone. When you go through water, when you go through fire, you are never alone. God is with you. What a precious thing to be filled with God's presence, to do what God says, and to trust in Him always. Why don't we experience that today? Is it because we got to a form of religion where we are so comfortable with going to church and going home that we lack the power? Shouldn't we pray desperately, Lord, Jesus is coming. I want to be in. Would you fill my heart? Would you fill my family? Would you fill our church with your spirit? To the point that we are not only filled daily by the spirit, but we are led by the spirit, obeying the spirit, walking in the spirit, talking in the spirit, to the point that people don't, no longer see us. They see Jesus in us. Shouldn't we pray that every day? If you pray that, God is waiting to answer that prayer. And it is time we can no longer procrastinate. God is calling you and me to start doing that today. Not tomorrow, today. We need to start today seeking God's presence 
to be filled and led by God to the point that God lives in us. To say like Paul, I no longer live. I've been crucified. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. To let God lead our life to the point that we are dead to self. That's when you are a Christian. That's when you are ready for the second coming. You cannot do that. But God can do it in you. He is able to do it. He is able to finish what he started. You just need to invite him in every day. And it's none of your business how he will do it. You just need to call him and he will do it for you. That's the reason when you get to heaven you say, Lord, I don't deserve it. Because he did it for you. But you need to be filled with his presence. That's what you can do. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, this is the most important subject. Jesus says, it's better for you if I go, because if I go, I will give you the comforter. Father, we need to be filled with your presence. We need to be filled with oil. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Please, help us all to seek, to thirst, to hunger, to pray for your presence daily and to be more and more led by the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.